Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Jay Swords. This is the 474th show of ROI. Our guest for today's show is Dr. Emily Godby, Associate Professor of Art and Visual Culture in the College of Design at Iowa State University. And we're going to be talking about butter sculpture and refrigeration. The history buffs for today's show are Rick Sweet and Brett Menard. The show's theme song is Kayla's Theme, written and performed by Mark Sapsapital. And our producer and engineer, as always, is Dave Baker. To begin with, welcome to the show, Emily. Well, thank you for having me. We are very excited. Our first segment is called Farouk Dinarin, and really our goal is just to give listeners a little background on today's subject. So why don't you start us off with some basic information about what butter sculpture is and how it's done. Okay. Um, Butter sculpture uh, actually has been uh, done for uh, hundreds, if not thousands of years, Uh, thousands of years would be in Tibet, but butter sculpture began as kind of a renaissance um, celebration of food and and luxury. Um, And then, you know, nobody's having those big feasts anymore for the entire village. Um, uh, Butter sculpture comes back into play in the 19th century um, with a woman who kind of got tired of churning butter and um, molding it into little shapes for people. She started making bigger uh, sculptures, which sold well as, as food for the table. And then she discovered that other people were really interested in uh, somebody sculpting in butter, this temporary medium. And she became a hit at... Um, the Philadelphia Centennial uh, Exhibition, and she went on to have a career um, charging people to watch her sculpt or to buy her postcards. And then we can uh, trickle down to the modern day that um, butter sculpture was sort of a, a hit between about 1870 to 1930. But in the Midwest, um, the butter sculpture is still, uh, particularly the butter cow, is uh, still a feature at Minnesota State Fair, uh, Iowa State Fair, Missouri, etc. Okay, so Emily, because I've never apparently had the urge to sculpt butter, (laughs) (laughs) um, how do you do this? I mean, how do you make the, you know, I'm always amazed at watching um, ice sculptors work with chainsaws and chisels and things Mm -hmm. like that in that medium, which makes more sense to me, feels more like what sculptors are, are normally doing. How does one make butter hard enough to sculpt and then... How does one then make it um, soft or pliable enough again so that it has that smooth texture that we think of? Um, well, uh, uh, at the I'll talk about uh, current practices. You you have to have it soft to begin to uh, sculpt with, and um, since if anyone's uh, familiar with butter sculpture today. They've probably seen it at a state fair, and it's going to be a big, a big affair. Um, uh, so, um, in contemporary times, the 
sculptors work in a refrigerated space, but they keep the butter um, outside at room temperature, and then they bring it into the refrigerated space to uh, begin work on it. Um, would you like some more practicality? Yeah, I would love some practicality. Yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> so um, if you've seen a, a butter cow at a, at a state fair today, um, they are life-size, they are not made entirely of, of butter um, because that would collapse even with modern refrigeration. Um, underneath the State Fair uh, butter cow is an armature or, you know, a, a structure. Um, so a basic, um, a basic structure, and then the sculptor applies the butter um, onto the armature um, in the refrigerated space, and in the refrigerated space, the the butter uh, uh, will will remain in that position. <clears throat> um, one of the features of butter cows um, in the past uh, century and a half is that everybody wants to know how much how much butter is that. So a butter cow sculpture today uses about 600 pounds of butter. Um, there are other kinds of um, contemporary uh, fair um, sculptures. There was once a Last Supper at the Iowa State Fair, which re- required 2,000 pounds of uh, butter. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> Mind-blowing, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, more than a little bit. Um, I'm going to ask another probably silly question, but the artist in me is thinking about different mediums. So mm-hmm. do we play with things like margarine, or do we play with different compositions, you know, canola <laughs> oil butter, and, you know, and, and, and who gets the butter contract to supply 600 pounds of butters to whoever is doing the sculpting? Um, I, I don't know exactly who gets the butter contract. Um, in the um, late 19th and early 20th century uh, fairs, state fairs, um, butter, butter companies would actually sponsor it. So it would, you know, the butter cow would have a big sign on it, say, saying sponsored by Meadow Valley Butter. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I don't know who has who has the contracts, but, uh, but it wouldn't be a very lucrative contract um, <laughs> today with refrigeration, because you're going to love this gross little detail. The butter is kept and reused for up to ten years. Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh huh. Right. Um, it's kept and reused for up to ten years, and the sculptors. Um, I know most about the. Iowa State Fair ones, they prefer to work with old butter. Um, so the, you know, butter that's been around for five years in the freezer when it's not on display, uh, because it, they say it's more like clay. Oh. I have no idea. I have not tried it myself. So <laughs> That's a fascinating concept. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and here's the, here's the, the, the best part, the, the current um, sculptor for the Iowa State Fair has confessed that the old butter stinks. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're just so ruining all of my preconceptions. <laughs> <laughs> that's a feature that you can't um, experience at today's State Fair because it's in a refrigerated uh, space and you're separated from it. But yeah, 
apparently the butter really stinks. Okay. Well, you know, if I had been sitting around for five years being thawed and frozen and thawed and frozen, I'd probably smell bad too. Yeah. (laughs) Well, as you can see, we have a lot more to talk about. So please stay tuned for the next segment of our show. This is ROI on KLA St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. The KALA website is your one-stop spot to find out more about your favorite radio station. Submit a public service announcement, catch up on news about KALA, and listening to any of our three stations, 885-1061 or The Stinger, is just a click away. Visit KALAFM.org. That's KALAFM.org. Hello and welcome back to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Jay Swords, and this is the second segment of the show, referred to as The Kitchen Table. Our guest for today is Dr. Emily Godby, Associate Professor of Art and Visual Culture in the College of Design at Iowa State University, and we're talking about butter sculpture and refrigeration. Our history buffs for today's show are Rick Sweet and Brett Bernard. And Rick, as the scientist chemist of the group, why don't you start us off? (laughs) Trying to figure out the electronic bonds on 10-year-old butter. (laughs) (laughs) Emily, just you mentioned in the introduction that uh, this was uh, something that came out of Renaissance celebrations. Um, what, 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 what was the purpose? Uh, what were they celebrating with butter sculptures? Well, uh, if we're talking about the Renaissance, um, it wasn't just yeah. butter. It could be bread or um, sugar, um, but these were the the centerpieces of the of the table. So um, they were, or the, there were ones that could be made to move with series of wires. Um, so it was like the I don't know the the huge party decoration. Um, um, so with the Renaissance, it could be any number of things. It didn't have to be butter. Brett. Well, I mean, you you spoiled my first question because I was going to ask what happened to the butter after <laughs> uh, afterwards if you know it got sent to uh, Village Inn to be used on pancakes or whatever. <laughs> but evidently mm-hmm. they just. So, um, if I were to take up butter sculpting, where yeah. where would I start? Would I would I start <laughs> with kind of regional events? Would I need some sort of professional art training, or how, how oh, do we how do we source our butter um, artists for state fairs? Uh, well, there aren't very many of them. Um, uh, so how do you start? Uh, basically, uh, most of the ones that I know about, they, they might have some art training. Um, but, uh, you know, since there's no school of butter sculpture, uh, it's safe to say that pretty much everybody is self-taught. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> Most people come to it, you know, maybe they've used clay, um, 
or or something else. Um, the woman that I can talk about in the 19th century, I, I guess she was really bored in, in uh, when she wasn't doing her housework because she started she started sculpting a butter, but she also tried sand and mashed potatoes. So. <laughs> Mashed potatoes didn't work out, apparently. Butter was the best one. Just doesn't hold well I don't know. Um, I I have vivid memories growing up uh, at the dinner table, and I I considered many of my mashed potato piles to be works of art. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what got into her head, but that's even even crazier than butter sculpture, okay? (laughs) Mashed potato (laughs) art. Um, Emily, I'm just curious, because in America in particular, uh, we have mm-hmm. a love of competition, regardless of what kind of competition it is. So mm-hmm. ha- do we have a history of butter sculpture competition at state fairs um, before this became more of a sort of an award you know, that one person does? Um, there wasn't really a, a competition, but I can recommend a pretty bad film to you, a contemporary film starring Jennifer Garner. And the name is really complicated. It's called Butter. <laughs> <laughs> if you've never heard of it, um, you're with the millions of other people. Uh, it's, not very, it's not a very good movie, but uh, Jennifer Garner is kind of a, a frustrated wife. And um, she takes over the butter sculpture business for her husband, who retires. Um, and then the the crowning moment, there's a, there is an actual competition between three butter sculpt- sculptresses. Um, so Garner is one. Uh, there, <laughs> the second one is a... Uh, prostitute who's trying to collect money from the husband, and the third competitor is a ten-year-old uh, African American girl. <laughs> and there is literally a uh, a competition with three different refrigerated spaces, and uh, oh, it's it's pretty bad. But uh, uh, <laughs> Garner Garner doesn't win the contest. The, the little girl does, but she gives a very impassioned speech that butter is the thread that holds the quilt of America together. It's pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, now I, I, I have my, uh, my evening viewing experience, if I can just find it. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a bad movie, but um, it's, it's culturally kind of funny. Um, about this competition, um, but I, I don't think I don't think competition was the main um, main the goal. goal. The main goal was to um, get people in the door um, and keep them there, keep them interested. Um, and uh, during the um, during around around 1900. It was also the advertising opportunity for the different um, companies selling butter. So there might have been a little bit of competition there about which um, it wouldn't be be about the sculptor, but it would be about the, the display. Did you like the display over at Dairy Maid better than 
um, clover leaf, something like that. Okay, Rick. Now, Emily, uh, uh, do you know who sculptured the the uh, cow at the Iowa State Fair? Um, yes, the the longtime um, sculptor uh, for the Iowa State Fair um, passed away just a few years ago. And her name was uh, Norma, Norma Duffy Lyon, <clears throat> and she was the butter sculptor, sculptress, for 46 years. That is a long time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she was pretty famous uh, uh, in and of herself. Um, she started out uh, at Iowa State, where she wanted to be a vet. However, in the 50s, um, you couldn't be a female vet. So she studied animal science instead, uh, getting her degree in 1951, I think. And on the side, she started taking um, classes with uh, Iowa State's resident artist, uh, Christian Peterson. So um, that's how she she got to the... Excuse me. That's how she got to the... um, got to the to the uh to the idea of butter um that she had this deep knowledge of animal science and that she had also studied with a sculptor um and it was kind of kismet that she um found a way to use her her skills um apparently all her uh butter cows were totally uh, correct as to breed and everything because she was an animal science major and it mattered to her. Um, She even, uh, she became famous uh, later in life in her own right as the butter sculptress. And um, when uh, Barack Obama came through Iowa to campaign, she made a 23-pound butter head of him. And then (laughs) he kind of liked her and uh, the campaign team had uh, Duffy Lyon do a radio spot for for uh, Obama's campaign that was on the on the radio here in Iowa, which is pretty funny. Um, Barack Obama also wrote uh, a touching tribute to her after she passed. So they hit it off. Okay, Brett. So how do um, fairs decide what they want to have sculpted in butter any given year. Do, is that a decision made on the fair side, or does the artist get to propose what they want to sculpt? Uh, what's I'm the actually politics not sure of the, of the process there. Um, um, yeah, I'm not sure about the negotiation process. Uh, about how uh, contemporary uh, contemporary ones get scheduled, if you will. Um, you know, the traditional one is one about dairying, but then there are all these, you know, there have been politicians and Last Suppers and um, Neil Armstrong on the moon. <laughs> I mean, it, it gets really that, crazy. That seems like it should be more of a cheese sculpture than butter. <laughs> but. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, Emily, I'm I'm curious from from an academic's perspective. Um, mm-hmm. What was interesting about butter sculpture 
to you because I noticed you did two different presentations talking about butter mm-hmm. sculpture. Um, mm-hmm. What do you find fascinating about the the process or the culture of butter sculpture? Okay, so you want the you want the serious side. Um, the 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 serious side for me is that. Um, Yes, this is a, you know, rather frivolous or it can seem like a frivolous um, medium, um, but the, it, it actually allowed, and this sounds crazy, but it allowed women to be featured um, as sculptors that um, in, in, in the U.S., um, you know, after, let's say, starting with revolutionary times, um, sculpture was not practiced um, in the U.S. for quite some time. And so we get to, like, the mid-19th century, and, you know, one lady starts sculpting in butter, and um, other people figure out that, or other women figure out that this is is an empty space, you know? Women working in marble got so much flack about oh, my God, she didn't do that herself, or, you know, every, every, kind, of, uh, every kind of criticism. But with the, with the butter sculpture, uh, many of these women actually made money off of it by charging people for photos or for an exhibition. So they were kind of, you know, it's an ephemeral art, obviously, but they were kind of clever in figuring out where they wouldn't get um, so much flack because butter, I think, is a if it has a gender, it's it's female, um, and I kind of think for history it does have a gender. Um, so here are these women, and they're actually churning their own butter, and they're actually very clever as well because the first um, uh, butter sculptor, uh, Caroline Shock Brooks. She starts by selling butter just as butter, right? And in um, olden times, there were little stamps that you just stamped your butter. And when she started making 3D sculptures, uh, that really caught on. But the key to the financial success is that um, Caroline figured out that um, one pound of butter molded into a... um, you know, a little bunny for the table or something, uh, that, that she made more money more quickly by sculpting in butter rather than selling little bricks of butter. Um, so she didn't have to churn as much butter. This is the key, right? <laughs> so she didn't have to work as hard, and she got paid more than, would, than she would have at, with um, butter as a commodity. So you know, there's actually there's there's actually something really interesting about that. You know, that she makes a business out of her um, out of her sculpture, and it's a lot easier than just selling people bricks of butter. Okay, Rick, you get the last question of the segment. Uh, we have about two and a half minutes left. Okay, I will hum a, a butter song for half a minute. No, I won't. Uh, <laughs> Emily, um, part of the title of the show is Refrigeration. Uh, In the mid-19th century, uh, how how were these sculptures preserved for long-term use? Um, 
Okay, well, one of my arguments is that, um, you know, uh, it wasn't just the butter sculpture as the attraction. The attraction becomes, how do they keep all that butter cool? And in the 19th century, um, the first natural ice, i.e. ice cut from a river or a pond, was used underneath these... um, underneath these sculptures or around the sculptures to keep them cool. And um, as the, the century progressed, we actually get into um, refrigeration technology, uh, mostly with ammonia and um, what drives refrigeration. It's actually the production of beer that, uh, oh, yeah. that prompted the spread of making artificial ice. So ice that comes from a factory. And the reason that beer was the, the first item to be refrigerated is that um, uh, styles of uh, beer called lagers, which means to keep or hold uh, in German, were becoming popular. And lager beer cannot be, it, it cannot be brewed warm. If you brew it warm, apparently it's disgusting. So um, companies like, very familiar name, Anheuser-Busch, was advertising very early that they had all these refrigerated cars and your beer will never warm up. And with this particular style of beer, um, the refrigeration, i.e. artificial ice, uh, became mission critical. All right. Well, we usually give our guests the last word on the show. So, Emily, why do you think knowing about the art and science of butter sculpture is relevant in today's world? Well, I think it's I think it's relevant because it makes people laugh and smile. Um, it brings people to the to the state fairs. Um, it, it, at least in Iowa, it gives politicians a chance to photo op. Um, and, you know, I think the, the higher-level histories that I'm pointing to, um, histories of uh, gendered media and of women making their own money, um, are the more serious side of butter sculpture in 19th century history. So there is something irrelevant, um, but it depends on what level you want. Do you want to be entertained at the state fair? Or are you interested in the history of um, women discovering uh, uncharted territory that they can occupy and, uh, and make their own money? All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to wrap things up. So please stay tuned. Okay. This is All ROI right. on KALA St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. You're listening to Relevant or Irrelevant. This series is produced at St. Ambrose University's KALA Radio and has been honored by the Midwest Broadcast Journalists Association and the Iowa Broadcast News Association for excellence in public affairs journalism. You can hear this edition of ROI and many previous programs in this series by visiting Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, 
plus Apple Podcasts. ROI airs Friday nights at 9.30 p.m. on KALA HD2 and can also be heard at 106.1 FM in the Metropolitan Quad City area. You can stream this show every Friday night at TuneIn.com. Search for KALA HD2. This concludes our 474th show of ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant. The producer and engineer is Dave Baker. Our program manager is Rick Sweet. And the theme song for our show is titled Kayla's Theme and was written and performed by Mark Sapsavital. My name is Jay Swords. We'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Emily Godby, Associate Professor of Art and Visual Culture in the College of Design at Iowa State University. She's been talking with us about butter sculpture and refrigeration. The history buffs for today's show were Rick Sweet and Brett Bernard. This is ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, on KALA. The views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of St. Ambrose University or KALA. We would like to wish all listeners to experience the great Basutu proverb, Hotsapula Nala, peace, reign, and prosperity. And remember, historians are horrible fortune tellers. Good night. Mm-hmm.